I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. The idea behind Ginkgo is that fundamentally DNA is digital code. And so if you can read and write code and you have a machine that'll run it, which is sort of how Ginkgo thinks of a cell, then you can program, effectively programming. And so basically what Ginkgo is, is we're a programming tools business. Uh, and to give you some examples, we do work in the animal free meat space uh, where you can engineer cells to produce certain like animal proteins without the animal. Right. Uh, we work in the antibiotic space with Roche. We work on mRNA vaccine space with uh, some of the vaccine suppliers like Aldevron. And then we built out here in the seaport in Boston, uh, more than 200,000 square feet of space, which is largely robotic automation to do the actual lab work. You're obviously have been uh, very successful your shares trade publicly now. Just go all the way back to the beginning. The challenges of being a startup. It wasn't so easy, was it? Uh, no, no, not at all. You know, uh, so we all met in grad school and, you know, we all became fascinated by this idea that you could program biology. I myself was a computer science major, but, you know, when we came to the up on the end of our PhDs and we, just, we were trying to think about what are we going to do next, you know, um, we decided that starting a company was sort of the best way to keep advancing the technology and the field forward. But you're right, at the beginning, we had no business model, no money, and, uh, no, uh, no real um, reason that anyone should take it seriously. <laughs> so what were some of the important first steps you took to start to build a better story? The basic idea was think of yourself as like running an experiment almost with the company and you want to go out yeah. and test that hypothesis. And the only place to go test the hypothesis is with customers. And we would basically like be like, okay, this is what we think the business model is. Yep. You know, like let's crank on that for three months and see if we're right. And I feel like we ran those three month experiments for like two and a half years or something. Um, but having that attitude of like, I don't have to have this all figured out on the first day. What I actually need to accept is I don't have it figured out. I, I think right. that was probably the first five years, yeah. That's a great point. You have to accept what you haven't figured out. Was there, was there, I mean, was this a two and a half year journey to, to figure out your go-to-market strategy or was there like one aha moment where you said, wait a minute, that experiment worked. Eureka. <laughs> I, I think it was a journey, right? We yeah. had to kind of learn right. from our mistakes, learn from customers, candidly, learn yeah. what worked in the lab and what didn't, uh, which is I think when we participated in the start program for the yeah. first time right. and we sort of said, Hey, like, okay, I think we've actually figured out some commercial traction here. Um, you know, we had a couple, um, we had like one or two SBIRs with the National Science Foundation. So we were seeing some traction on the technology side and we kind of figured out like, oh, this is maybe how you could build a business around um, self-programming. At that point, we were bootstrapping the company, right? We had no outside financing. And so uh, the capital from the start program, from SBIR programs, like these are all critical to us staying alive. Yeah, you wouldn't be here without <laughs> yeah, it. We want to do it yeah. 
Yeah, and now we're, you know, an 800-person company based here in Massachusetts before we just raised a billion so You can fund your company when the technology is maybe still too early for venture or the right VCs aren't out there yet for you uh, with grants. And it's a great source of capital. And, and then once you get to a certain level of maturity, then you can kind of flip to the traditional venture ecosystem. That, that was enormous. Like the fact that Gingo was built that way actually is, I'm actually quite happy about now. Um, but that, that path, I think more, more entrepreneurs should consider taking. So, you know, once you finish with the grant funding, I know you went off to Y Combinator. And yep. that kind of, would you say that was the start of your journey for raising, for getting the attention of venture capitalists and angel investors? Yes, I would say so, yeah. We sort of made that leap because we were getting the first commercial traction, right? So we were getting, you know, like we started to get our first real contracts and we felt like even if, if you were an investor, you didn't have to understand the technology anymore. I could point at the commercial traction and it suggested what we were doing might be valuable. Right. And, and that is what opened the door to ultimately the generalist VC ecosystem. We did almost all Silicon Valley, uh, angels and right. early stage VCs out of Y Combinator. I, I, in my opinion, Y Combinator has basically figured out the model for what they do. I think it's quite smart. Um, and, and, and of course they also offer a lot of good support. But yeah. you raise a lot of money from, from West Coast angels and early stage VCs, but you still came back to Boston and Cambridge. What was the thinking around that? Ginkgo has thrived in Boston, and I don't know that we would have thrived the same way in Silicon Valley. Um, and the reason why we've thrived in Boston is we're a mission-oriented company. Like, we're a mission-driven company. Right? Our mission is to make biology easier to engineer. And the fact is that people here around Boston, you know, in Massachusetts, like, they want to do impactful things. Like, right? They, they want to change the world. They want to make the world a better place. And so... I think culturally we are a better fit Great. for the Boston community and the Massachusetts community because that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make the world a better place. Like we want, we think that biology is amazing and we want to realize its full potential. And so I think we're more culturally resonant with, with Boston and Massachusetts. And there's a lot of people around here who want to do that. Right. And so building, you know, long lasting mission driven companies is something that I think Boston um, and Massachusetts is usually uniquely positioned to do. What were some of the real challenges you faced uh, and maybe some advice you would give to others in that, in that kind of area of their business where they're kind of getting through that valley of death and getting to that point where they're really going to attract growth stage capital? No, I mean, I think, I think one thing that was important was to encourage the entire company to be ambitious, right? At every stage, it was kind of scary, right? We were suddenly bringing in more money than we had ever seen before. You know, we'd look at our bank account and it ticked up by an amount that none of us had ever dreamed of, right? And, and the question was, did we have the confidence to sort of lean into it, right? What were the main points of growing the business at that point? I think we took the that like initial learning, that like kind of lean startup Steve Blank mentality of like, it's an experiment. You don't have it all figured out. You should learn. And like we, we aggressively continued that. I mean, we, we made changes uh, exactly how the business model worked. We created like on the technology side, like the way we organized the company would change pretty dramatically in that period, you know, like, it, which makes sense, right? Like, like if it was obvious what a $400 billion synthetic biology company look like, someone would just start it and have had it done already, right? Like you have to figure it out, right? And so, right. so 
So we, we like kind of, and, and by the way, it's, it's still the case, right? Like we have more stuff in front of us to figure out, right? Like, like that, that's, that's, that's what keeps it interesting. There's so much of, oh my God, I, there's so much I don't know. And just getting that advice sometimes from advisors and board members, was there any, were there any that were particular helps to you? Yeah, I would say that we, all of us, you know, there are five founders of the company, Jason and I are two of them. All of us were, were pretty unafraid to go out and ask for advice. You know, okay. we asked for advice from anyone and everyone. I think that learning mentality was really important. It's, you know, it continues to be a part of Ginkgo's culture today. And I think one set of folks that a lot of people tend to underestimate, but I think were hugely value, valuable are like pure mentors, yes, right? Like right. fellow founders, like, you know, folks who might be a little like just ahead of us or at the same level as us, or even maybe a little behind us, you know, yeah. going and talking to them about what they were doing, what they were facing, what they were learning. I, I agree with Rachel's thing about the peer mentors. Like that, that's, that's your hack. Um, yeah. Is, is there any, uh, if you think back, is there any advice you would have given yourselves uh, as you were kind of launching your startup, spinning out of your PhD programs? Uh, advice on, just in general, like about the challenges of a startup or, uh, you know, what would you go back and tell yourself? That kind of willingness to kind of put yourself out there, you know, and, and just learn uh, voraciously is I think a really important trait in a founder. Um, I think the second thing at which I think we got wrong, but which I tell founders today is think about diversity, equity, and inclusion early. Yeah. So even when you're like three people or four people or however many founders you have, you should think about diversity because, you know, just one or two hires can completely change the demographics of your startup when you're that small, right? And actually, and, and so if you have a more diverse, like early employee base or founding team, then you will access like pools of talent that other yep. uh, founding teams that are more like uh, uniform <laughs> cannot. Um, and so it, I think that like more founders should be like almost like weaponizing diversity, equity, and inclusion as a competitive advantage by tapping sure. into pools of talent that other people are overlooking. In my opinion, um, Massachusetts is in a very, very strong position given like where winds are blowing on like what the next set of fast growing big companies are going to be. This is the window of time. Yeah. In my, yeah. In my view right now, companies are going to get far founded in the, in the real technology space that will be the next Tesla's they're all getting started right now, particularly for the types of real technologies that I think Massachusetts is actually has a as like a principled advantage in across the country. So, you know, programs like the Star Program, Mass Ventures, th these are these are things that are, uh, they, they can catalyze companies that otherwise would not happen. Like Ginkgo would not be here without those types of programs. Like we should double down on that in the state. I, I think it's a real moment for it and Mass Ventures could lead the way. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.